Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ and happy Father's Day. It's so wonderful to see you all this morning. I'm going to go ahead and just get this out of the way at the beginning and give my father a shout out and say happy Father's Day to you. He's, uh, he's probably at his own church right now in South Carolina, but I know he'll be watching this a little bit later. So I want to get credit at least for saying something in the service since I have this platform and I'm able to do that. But it's going to be great because I'll get to see you this week. We're going to visit to travel to visit my family. As I've said before, it's my mother's 80th birthday this week. And we get to do a combined Mother's Day birthday party with her and retirement party. And then Father's Day is coming up or is here. And we'll get to celebrate that with my dad. But we'll get to be together with our whole family. So this is just a great day to celebrate family. Of course, while I'm gone, I'm going to miss you all greatly. I can't believe I'm missing out on Fiesta. But... You know, my mom's birthday has been where it's been for 80 years, and, and Fiesta's only been, this is a one-year thing to have it right now, so I, I had to make that, make that decision. But we are going to miss you all, uh, love you, and, and look, we'll look forward to being back with you. Well, today we've been, we're going to talk again about parables. And a parable is a story, but it's a story with a purpose. And Jesus would use parables to draw people in with a clever proverb or saying or, or little narrative, and then, like a fisherman setting a hook, he would then tell his disciples that beneath the surface level of the story, there was a deeper story, a deeper meaning or deeper truth that was yet to be revealed. And over the last few weeks, we've been studying the deep story and the surface story of one of the parables called the parable of the sower. Now, over the last few weeks, we've discovered that the surface story in the parable of the sower was about how different people in different situations hear the truth of God differently. Some are like the hard-packed surface on a path where the seeds never penetrate and birds snatch it away. Others are like rocky ground where it sprouts but never takes root and then when trouble comes along, it withers and dies. For others, the word of God is choked out by the thorns of temptation and distraction. But there are others who are like good soil where the word of God takes root and it grows and it bears fruit. Now that was all the surface story of the parable of the sower. But beneath the surface story is the deep story. And that deep story is about Jesus. The deep story was a truth that Jesus would reveal to no one to his, but his disciples until his death and resurrection. And the deep story is about the real but hidden identity of Jesus. And the deep truth that God became flesh, not to destroy the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Now in the passage that we're reading today, Jesus continued this line of teaching. In Mark 4, 26 through 29, the Lord said this. If you'd look on, read along with me as, I'm, as I read in verse 29, excuse me, 26. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows, and he knows not how. The earth produces by itself 
First the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the, full, in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Let us pray. O Lord, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Amidst the changing words of our generation, speak to us your eternal word that does not change. And may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. For it is in the name of your Son, our precious Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and by the power of the Holy Spirit that we pray. Amen. The seed sprouts and grows, and he knows not how. Like many of you, the Snowmageddon that happened last February wiped out a lot of the plants in our yard. Even a whole hedge that was along the side of our yard, leaving our backyard looking really just kind of bare, almost barren. But then one day, Morgan went over to the back door and she, she pointed out the window and she said, come here, I want you to look at something. Do you see that? See that one weed out there by the mountain laurel? What is that? And for anybody who knows me knows, I'm not a plant guy. If you want me to, tell, if you want me to show you different kinds of trees, I'll say, sure, there's one. There's a different one. There's a different one. But I really can't. I'm not a good identifier of plants or anything like that. She said, but do you know what that is? I said, well, no, I, I have no idea what it is. It just looks like a big weed to me. You want me to go pull it? And she said, no, I don't want you to pull it because I think it's corn. I said, corn? That's crazy. Why would there be corn in our yard? I mean, now I'll say, I don't know plants, but I do know corn. I know food. And I looked at it, I said, that's not corn. Come on, that's crazy. And she said, no, I think that's corn. And I said, how, how could that possibly be corn? She said, well, maybe some little bird just kind of dropped it. And I'm not going to explain what she meant by that. But it looks like corn to me. And you know what? She told some friends, some of you who are in this room. She said, I think we've got corn growing on our yard. And so many of them said, no, nah, it's just a weed. You better pull it. But you know what? Morgan had faith. And she went out to check it just a few days later and check it out. Look up here on the screens. <laughs> that is a corn stalk. And this is an ear of corn. Do you see that? We have no idea or proof for how it got there. But there it is. There is corn growing in my yard. And now we feel like it is our privilege and our responsibility to take care of it, to water it, to watch over it, and to provide it a healthy environment to help it grow. You know, as a pastor, sometimes a sermon illustration just drops into your lap. <laughs> or in this case, into your yard. The seed sprouts and it grows, and I know not how. But there it is. Jesus said, the kingdom of God is just like that. In this micro parable, the deep story is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God 
is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. And what Jesus is telling us is that the growth of the kingdom of God is something that no one expects. Certainly not the religious leaders who tried Jesus and certainly not the Romans who put him to death. But he sleeps, the farmer sleeps and he rises night and day and the seed sprouts and grows and he knows not how. No matter how broken or bankrupt our lives are or this hard old world appears, God has planted the seed of his truth and his kingdom. He has sent his son into the world. And what this passage is telling us is that he is going to create a harvest that no one expects. Now I want you to see what the father is doing here. The deep revelation of Jesus is that God the father has planted a seed with his son, Jesus Christ. But this revelation about the kingdom of God is that God is not only putting his word and his truth into the world but by his word and by his truth he is also transforming the world because the kingdom of god is the environment created by the growth of his world of his word think about that the kingdom of god is the environment created by the growth of his word now let's unpack some terms for just a moment what is the kingdom of god Here's another one of those tricky biblical expressions that we assume we understand, but don't really grasp. We say it all the time, but we really aren't sure that we can pin down the definition. As the eminent Old Testament scholar John Bright once observed, for all of his repeated mention of the kingdom of God, Jesus never once paused to define it. Frequently he said, it's like this or it's like that, but he never paused to give us a definition. And yet... Dr. Bright says that the kingdom of God was a concept concept that lived in the imagination of every Jew. They believed it was a promise that God would once again make Israel a mighty and holy nation, politically powerful, economically prosperous, culturally sophisticated, and spiritually enlightened. And this supernatural but earthly kingdom of God was the vision, was the Hebrews' vision of how the world was supposed to be. But you know what? To them, it was largely a vision of earthly, worldly success. God would take his family and he would make his family the dominant and most uh, prosperous family on earth. But here's what we need to understand. God's vision of how the world is supposed to be is different from our vision of how the world is supposed to be. God's vision of the world as it is supposed to be is not a vision about borders or governments or armies or empires, about power or wealth. God's vision for the world as it is supposed to be is expressed in his law. And Jesus summarized the whole law by saying this, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength. And the second of the second most important law is that is like unto it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And he said, in these two hang all the law and the prophets. Everything else 
comes under these two laws, all of the law and the prophets. In other words, the kingdom of God exists where and when people understand that God is king and that God is really in charge and where God is enthusiastically honored, obeyed, and enjoyed by all people and where people are known by their love for one another. And so the kingdom of God exists where people love God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, and they love their neighbors as, their, as themselves, where they love one another as they love themselves. It's an environment where God is taken seriously and where people matter. And the kingdom of God exists wherever law and order, or I should say rather God's law and order reigns where his commands, especially his commands of love, are obeyed and his lordship is embraced. In other words, the kingdom of God exists wherever God is king. Or at least where we see it is where we see people living as though they know that God is king. And yet it is a kingdom that no one expects because largely God's kingship, his authority, his sovereignty is observed in the breach. That is to say, people recognize it more by not obeying him than they do by obeying him, by, by not taking him seriously than they do by taking him seriously. And so the kingdom of God is one that nobody really expects. Now, I'll tell you, I love this passage for Father's Day. Because this deep story about the kingdom of God lays the foundation for the surface story. And this passage reminds us that God the Father got personally involved in the kingdom and he gets personally involved in our lives. And the kingdom of God is going to grow because God has gotten directly involved. When God wanted to save his people and save the world, he came himself. He didn't send a surrogate or a stand-in or a stunt double. He came himself. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. He is God with us. He is Emmanuel. And where Jesus is, Jesus says the kingdom of God is at hand. God the Son was present in the word made flesh, and God the Holy Spirit is with us now, growing his truth in us and by changing us, then changing the world around us, changing the environment around us. And so the surface story of this micro parable is that the kingdom is the environment for growth. Now, fathers, I want you to remember the story about the corn stalk in my yard. I don't know how I was given the privilege or responsibility to have it in my yard, but now it's my job to help it grow. Now it's my job to create an environment in which the word can grow in me and in my house. It's my job as a father to cultivate an environment where the word of God can grow in my children, in my family, in my relationships, in my community, in my social circle in my contacts. I don't know how it got here. 
but God has planted it here and it's my job to cultivate it. And so we need to ask ourselves, fathers, what kind of environment are we cultivating? What kind of environment am I cultivating around me for the word of God to grow? You know, is it, is it going to be healthy growth or unhealthy growth? Because healthy growth needs a healthy environment. And my job as a father is to create a healthy environment in which the seed of the word of God can grow and bear fruit in the lives of my family. So what kind of environment am I cultivating around me? Is it a healthy environment where the word of God will grow and bear fruit? Or is it one of the hostile environments described in the parable of the sower? Consider this. Is it a hard path? What's the hard path? It's when we as fathers make our family's lives, make our children's lives all about the path. You don't have time for God's word because you have, to, you have your own goals, or rather you've got my goals, my ambitions. We've got our own priorities, our own path, and our own definitions of success for our children and for one another. You know, faith is okay as long as it doesn't interfere with athletic recognition or academic recognition or social recognition or wealth generation. As long as we've got the right friends and the right college and the right career and the right spouse and the right lifestyle and the right address, the right place in society, we can stay on the path, that hard path. And you put them on that path and they don't have time for God's calling. And the real hopes and the real loves and the real joy that they could know in Christ is snatched away for lesser things. The birds come and they snatch it off the path. So here's a question I want to ask all of us. Have you put your children and your family on the hard path that may lead to a lot of other places, but it's actually lead them, leading them away from God? Second hostile environment, rocky ground. They hear the good news. They hear about God's love and his power to make a difference in their lives. It seems like water pouring down on a dried soul. But then it's met with resistance. It's met with abuse. It's met with neglect. It's met with indifference or instability. And all of that enthusiasm that they had withers and their faith blows away. They begin to believe in their own homes that they can't depend on the people who are supposed to love and care about them. So why should they trust God? And yes, it all sounds great when a preacher or a conference leader or a Bible study teacher tells them all about God's love and grace. But if they never see it in their homes, well, it withers and dies and blows away. What about the thorns? They begin to believe that God isn't important, honestly, because he doesn't seem really important to us. Our children believe that he isn't that important because he doesn't seem important to their fathers. I mean, sure, we call ourselves Christians, we call ourselves disciples and believers, but we don't really seem to be different from anybody else. We've got the same vices, the same habits, the same uh, toxic idols that all the other pagans around us seem to have. And they creep in through social media but you know what? They also creep in through what they see in us, what our kids see in us. They look at us and they don't see any difference in the way that we treat others or the way that we talk to people. 
They hear us yelling at people or, or grumbling about people the same way other people do. You know, how have, we, how have we shown them that God makes a difference in our lives? They see it in how we always have time for other things, but never seem to have time for the Spirit. And eventually, the thorns choke out any idea that we do or that they should take Jesus Christ seriously. Hostile environments take over when the seed, the word of God, is neglected or taken for granted and other things begin to choke it out. Here's the truth, beloved. Our biggest problems in this country are not economic or political. They are spiritual. They come from broken families, broken hearts, broken communities, broken lives. They come from all this brokenness. And one of the most important things that we as fathers must do is cultivate a healthy environment where the seed of God's word can transform and bear fruit. And we do that while guarding against the hostile environments in which too many of God's children struggle and starve and suffer and get lost. And so what do we have to do? Well, first, we have to cultivate healthy environments, the good soil. And that cultivation starts with you. The first step, fathers, in creating a healthy environment for your children is to ask yourself, what is the environment, what is the soil of my own heart like? Is it good soil like the kingdom of God? It has to start with me. You know, Peter told uh, this story to Mark. And in his own letter, Peter wrote this. He said, in your hearts, honor Christ as holy, as always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks, for you, asks from you a reason for the hope that is in you. He says, if we want to begin to cultivate this environment, we have to start with ourselves. First, sanctify Christ in your own heart and examine yourself. Is my own environment, my own heart, a hard path? Are my own goals and ambitions leading me to Jesus or away from Jesus? Toward my children or away from my children? Ask yourself, how am I hurt or broken? How have I been hurt or broken or let down or betrayed or forgotten by the rocky ground? Maybe I was enthusiastic once, but man, I've been beaten down since then. Or ask yourself about the thorns. What are the things that are distracting me, claiming my attention and my affections more than my relationship with him? I finally ask, who is leading me? Who is watering me? Who is pouring God's word into me so that I can pour it into my family? Are we creating a hostile environment or a healthy environment in our own hearts. Here's the thing. The kingdom of God is not just a message that comes into the world. It's a message that comes into us. It's a message that transforms the environment and it has to start with us. It has to change us, fathers. It has to start here. So how do we as fathers cultivate a healthy environment? Well, we begin by following the example of our heavenly father. 
who took on flesh and got personally involved. First thing is your presence. You cannot get, it, you cannot get personally involved in the transformation of your children if you are not personally involved in their lives. If you're not in the, mix of, in the mix of what's going on, if you don't know their friends, if you don't know what they're doing, if you don't know what they're interested in, if you're not spending time with them. Mike Huckabee once said that love is spelled T-I-M-E. God got personally involved, and we have to get personally involved. The second thing they need for us for a healthy environment of growth is our protection. Fathers, we need to protect our families from all those things that are creeping in, all those thorns and weeds, from the distractions and the deceptions of politics and our culture that are just constantly feeding our children, feeding our peers, feeding our siblings, feeding our families the lies and deceptions of division and confusion. Is there any of that going on right now? Paul says, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. You do it by your example. Jesus said, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Let the things you do speak so loudly that, they, that you don't even have to say the things you want to say. Let people see, let your children see that God's word is so strong in you that, it, that his love makes a difference in your life. But another thing we need to do is to consider our teaching to create a healthy environment. Listen to what... God said to the people of Israel, he said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Now, we just heard those words from Jesus, right? But listen to what Moses also says. He says, and these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. Good, they're inside of us. They start here, but listen to this. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. Your faith may be very active, but is it mute? You can do a lot of great, good things, but people might end up thinking you're just a nice person if you never tell them why you do the things that you do. And it's not because I'm a nice person. I'm a sinner. I'm broken. It's because I love because God first loved me. I love because Christ first loved me. I love and I share and I do these things because these things have been given unto me. Fathers, we have to learn to talk about our faith more fluently. And we have to learn to be as fluent about our faith as we are about our work, or as we are about sports, or our hobbies, or interests, or about politics, or economics, or personal finance, or any of that sort of thing. And not just talk about faith, but to share testimonial faith in which we tell people what God has done to change my life, in which I tell my children what God has done, how he's made a difference to me. And finally, the thing we've got to do is we've got to pray. Remembering that you cannot do this alone. Here's the good news, you don't have to. Your father 
wants to make you the best father you can be. Yes, they are your children, but they are his children. Again, cornstalk, I don't know how I got it. I certainly didn't deserve it. But it's my job to cultivate it. It's my job to water it. It's my job to feed it. It's my job to protect it. But he gave it there. He, gave, he put it there. And I'm going to need his help. I think that one of the best things we can do, fathers, is pray for our children. One of the things I've started doing, just not just daily, but as often as I can, is just whenever I think about it, to pray the blessing of Aaron over my children. I'll say, I'll say, El, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Bo, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. There is power in that prayer. Pray it over your children. Let me say one more word about a father's authority and how it affects the environment. When God is in charge, things grow as they're supposed to. Fathers, we often think that our leadership, we always think about our leadership role in terms of who am I over? But really, your leadership and your family begins with who am I under? Am I over my family or am I under God? Because if you're not under God, then you have no rightful authority over your family. Let me say that again. If you are not under God, you have no rightful authority over your family. Are you under God? Have you sanctified Christ as Lord in your heart? He must be Lord over your life. True authority comes from being under God. And yes, you know what? Your kids are going to rebel. And there will be times when you look at that corn stalk and you thought, wow, it looks more like a big weed than corn. But we have to remember that God is working under the soil, doing things that we cannot see for the sake of his kingdom. God brings the growth that no one expects. The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and he grows, and he knows not how. God is working in the world in ways we cannot even comprehend. And right now in our country, our city, our church, and especially in our families, we need fathers of every race and every demographic who will help to create the healthy environment where the seed of God's word can grow. In the fullness of time, God the Father got directly involved and sent his son to change the world by his truth. And when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Environment matters. And right now, our churches, our families, our city, and our nation need the kingdom of God. An environment where they, can, where they see that God matters, that people matter, that truth matters, and that love matters. Will you pray with me? Oh God, we, we pray that we would 
see so convincingly that you were at work in our lives, that we would just, that we would take hold of your kingdom vision. And we pray, oh God, that people would see the kingdom of God so strong, so strongly manifest in our lives that, that they would see it transforming the world around us, that they would ask questions, that they would want to know why is he different? Why are the people around that father different? Why are they, why are they in love with one another? Why are they in love with God? What is he doing? But more importantly, what is God doing beneath the surface? Lord, we just pray that your kingdom would be a beacon that will not only feed our world, but transform our world. And we pray these things in the name of your son, the seed, the word of God. Amen.